Hello and good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Father and Son Grace and Truth Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm here with my father, Martin. How are you doing, Dad? Hey, today's a good day. And Andrew, I am thrilled that today we get to talk about Jesus. That That is great news. Yes, I love the New Testament. So um, if you haven't been following along and just tuning in, thank you for joining, first of all. Um, but we are on part eight of our journey through the Bible. We are almost there, Dad. How are you feeling about it? Well, I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, I love ideas. I love concepts. And going through this has been great because we're not looking at the forest. I mean, excuse me, we're not looking at the trees. We're looking at the forest, the biggest yep. picture we can. And I'm enjoying that. Um, in the future, we'll look at some trees. But for now, I'm loving on the forest. Nice. I love it. I love it. So we are talking about the Gospels today. So get us started. Well, Andrew, first I have a question for you that I'm sort of curious about what your answer will be. Um, Andrew, what have you waited the most for? Waited the most for? Um, the two things that come to mind for me, um, come to my mind, are first was just waiting to get out of school. Um, I absolutely hated school and everything about it. I didn't even apply for college or do any tours or anything like that. That was not even an option. So that was one thing I waited for the most. Um, and then second was marriage. That oh. one comes to mind. When I moved to Georgia, I remember talking with mom and saying, like, I kind of want to settle down and find life for myself. And I really want to find a wife. And mm-hmm. um, three three years later, the Lord yeah. brought me back. And I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, you two are awesome. You know, uh, I kind of figured you might say, Megan, I mean, that kind of was on my mind. Um, But I'm surprised you said school is an answer, but I'm not surprised it was. (laughs) (laughs) Once you said it, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Okay, so now, um, when you got out of school, was it as good to be out of school as you thought? Um, not really, because <laughs> then the, the bills came and yeah. real life came real quick. Yeah, I remember we, uh, we drove from North Carolina to California two weeks after I graduated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we did it in like record time, didn't we? Like, do it in like two and a half days. Yeah, two and a half days from North Carolina to California because, like, you didn't want to stop. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy, but that's okay. I'm married. It was a lot of fun trip, and uh, yeah. this is kind of a saw on the spot question, but you know, it's all right. How did marriage yeah. turn out for you so far? Oh man, marriage is the best, better than I could even have yeah. imagined. It's, um, it's just fun to have that partner that, um, you know, you're just going through life mm-hmm. with. And- you can you're living with and you get like Megan and I just are having so much fun and it's just been a joy to be married to her and she's just she's hilarious we laugh a lot um one of my kind of favorite things is that like whenever we 
people ask us, what's your favorite thing to do together? And we're like, anything. We, like, <laughs> we, we play Yahtzee and we have a great time. Yep. We watch a movie and we always pause and do commentary on it. It's, right. just, it's just an awesome thing. Yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy about you two is that you have so much fun. I think that's awesome and is a, yeah. is a great foundation to have, uh, yeah. being able to have a good time like that. Well, that's yeah. awesome, Andrew. So one thing you waited for wasn't that great, and one thing you waited for was even better. Yep. Mm, I like that answer. Now, yeah. I want to turn to thinking about the New Testament here. And um, I just want to just remind you, our listeners, the amount of time that is taking place here. Um, after God gives his promises to Abraham, we're talking thousands of years pass. Um, after the kingdoms of of the Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom of are destroyed. It's hundreds and hundreds of years before the New Testament. God's timetable is enormous and vast. But finally, after all this time, after all these promises that fail, after all these beginnings that aren't completed, you turn the page to begin a gospel. And the first thing you learn is that this man named John the Baptist goes out to the desert and says, prepare for the way of the Lord. In other words, somewhat is coming right now. Get ready. So all of that passion, all of that hope, all of those promises that God sort of fulfilled in the Old Testament, but never completely feel fulfilled for all those kings, some who were better, some who were worse, but it just didn't ever happen. All of a sudden, John the Baptist says, get ready he's coming. And I want you to see that without the Old Testament, we would have no context to understand Jesus. If you've read your Old Testament, you now know that sin is our problem. Mm -hmm. It's not that we need to start again. It's not that we need good law. It's not that we need good leadership. It's not that we don't need leadership. You know, all these things have been just totally obliterated in the Old Testament. And instead, the Old Testament looks at us and says, you are the problem. You, your heart, you are a sinful people. Sin is the problem. We also know that faith is the answer through Abraham, through Joshua. We know that faith is the answer. We know that blood is required for sin. Even starting in the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, God had to kill an animal to cover them. We know through the sacrificial system that blood was required. 
We know that God wants a people for himself from every corner of the world. We know all kinds of things from the Old Testament. So when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that is a complete and breathtaking revelation. This man will save us from our sin. Right here. This man. Right here. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three Gospels, they tell their story in a very similar way. John tells it very differently. So first, I just want us to think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke and what they tell us. And I'm curious, Andrew, do you... um? Do you have a preference? Does Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John speak to you? Uh, Matthew more than uh, the others. Really? Yeah, I really like the uh, Sermon on the Mount, yeah. and there's just some really good preaching in there from Jesus. So Matthew's one of my favorites. Well, you're not alone. Obviously, uh, the shapers of our canyon put canon put Matthew first for a reason. Um, yeah, and uh, it is a powerful, powerful book. There's no doubt about that. What I want you to see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is something very unique about Jesus. That our hero has now come into the story. Finally, if you're reading it, the book is almost over, and he finally shows up. But in normal hero stories, who your hero is is important to some, what he does is important to others, or what he teaches is important in others. Now think of the Lone Ranger. We don't even know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> All stick with the Lone Ranger at the end was, who was that mass man, you know? We don't even know who yeah. this guy is. But what he did, he showed up when no one else would. So it was what he did that was important. But the Lone Ranger doesn't teach, nor does it matter really who he is. Yet Jesus, and I love this, he's in his ministry, things are moving along, and he says to his disciples, who do people say I am? Yeah. They say, oh, you're a prophet, you're, you know, you're Elijah, you're all these different things. And then I love this even more. He points at them and says, who do you say I am? Yeah. Which is the ultimate question. Who do you say and I am? Then, and people say and you then, are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's right. The Christ, the savior, the son of God. What do sons get from their fathers but their humanness? That's good. Humanness from a father. A little wolf gets wolfness from his wolf father. And the Son of God gets Godness, the nature of God from God. So it matters who Jesus is. Um, it matters what he does. Jesus just does amazing things. He stops storms. He feeds multitudes. 
raises a man from the dead. And these things are important. But what I want you to see is there is an understated sort of way that Jesus does things. He's not a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, superheroes, yeah. they love big explosions and, you know, saving the day and turning, you know, back tidal waves from entire cities. Jesus really doesn't do much of that. The most he ever yeah. feeds thousands of people at one time. But then he backs away from doing it almost instantly because people mm -hmm. are following him just to eat. And he's like, I'm not doing this. Most of it is private. Most of it is small. But very, very powerful. And that tells us something, Andrew. What does that tell us? Small things that matter. Mm -hmm. It's how you treat someone when they're sick. Um, it's how you speak to someone when they're lonely. These are the things that matter. Um, yep. Big things, God does big things, but they're not his normal way. His normal way is very common. And as I so often like to say, the common is extraordinary. So that is yes. And then, of course, what he teaches matters. And what I love about Jesus' teaching is just flat out brilliant. There's no question about that. But Jesus doesn't wind up at the end of his life and says, do what I say and not what I do. He didn't do that. Yeah. Um, you may know Andrew, I like Ayn Rand. She philosopher and I read her books and she's she's a philosopher I love and then hate and at the same time she says I things I like and then says things I think are crazy. You guys me nuts. <laughs> but when Ayn Rand was putting together her philosophy, one of the things she would say to people is if I'm bad at this philosophy, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Because she didn't keep it herself. And that's mm -hmm. true of human teachers, you know. We say you should act this way, but we don't always do that. Jesus looked at a crowd that was against him and said, who of you can prove me guilty of sin? Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> and the reaction was? We can't, but we want to kill you anyway. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Because yeah. he taught, and I love this in the Gospels, it says he taught with authority. He just said the most amazing, powerful things from a standpoint of truth. And nobody has, has ever had that kind of authority. So I want you to see that he is a very unique kind of hero. Are we tracking? Yep. Right, gosh, it's fun to talk about Jesus. I like this. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want you to imagine a large letter in. Okay? Letter mm -hmm. in. We start, you know, at the bottom of the letter in, and we go upward to form a capital N. And that's how these gospels start. They're introducing us to Christ, son of Virgin Mary. We get to know him. 
He does miracles against disciples. More and more people start to come to him. He gathers his disciples. He gets a complete team. It's all moving forward. And that gets us to the top of that end, which is the Mount of Transfiguration, where we see Jesus as who he really is. But then it starts to go down. Crowds start to not respond to him as much. People start to fall away. The powers that are around him get more and more jealous. They plot to kill him. It gets more and more intense. Finally, they do capture him. He is treated so unfairly in a trial. It's ridiculous. Unless they can yeah. him anyway. He is dragged to Golgotha where he is crucified and dies to the bottom. No more low point in any story could possibly be imagined. Everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about the failures in the Old Testament, like Joshua couldn't get all the land, or you know, King Solomon you know, winds up worshiping false gods. That's nothing compared to a man who claimed to be God who is dead. I mean, that's yeah. as bad as it can be. This is a horrible, yeah. dismal bottom that there's just no there's no 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 other story has this. It's as bad as anything could ever possibly be. But that end is not mm -hmm. finished. Because then there's a resurrection. And in one you know, that final stroke of that capital N just pops up higher than any story could ever pop. Because the mm -hmm. Son of God goes from being completely, utterly defeated to by the power of his resurrection to be completely vindicated as the Son of God and the Savior of the world in one blazing victory. And from that top, the Gospels really don't fade away. They go straight to the book of Acts, which we'll talk about in our next episode. So the letter N, can you see that, Andrew? Yep, so it goes up. And then you go down and That's then right. back up. Birth, death, That's resurrection. Right. Birth, transfiguration is the top. Then uh, transfiguration to death is the stroke down. And then death to resurrection mm -hmm. is the stroke up. And then unlike our Old Testament Whoa. stories, it stays up. <laughs> yeah. And it stays yeah. up all the way to the book of Revelation, which if it is possible... The book of Revelation has a more triumphant, more galactic, more stupendously amazing ending than even the Gospels. Yeah. So it's hard to imagine that the story can get better from this point, but it does. So love that. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about John. So you didn't mention John. Do you like John? Oh, yeah. I actually just got done reading uh, John last week, and I'm in Acts oh. now. Did, did anything in John yeah. strike you? Um, anything in John? Um, I don't know, but I'm just going through my Bible right now, and uh, I have a lot highlighted from 12 through uh, 17. <laughs> yeah. 
So, <laughs> and 12 through 17 would be the Passion Week narrative. Yes, yep. Yes. And there's but, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything in particular that stuck out, but, uh, I really, I really yeah. like John. Yeah, John is my favorite gospel. Oh, second being mm-hmm. Matthew. I just love Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, too. But if I had to have one gospel, it would be John. And what I love about, yeah, what I love about John is, is unlike, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, who have this sort of balance between who he is, what he taught, and uh, what he does. John is much more interested in who Jesus is. Yeah. And, you know, he begins with this absolutely wonderful, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by this idea of in the beginning was the word, he's tying us into creation. In the beginning, God created. God created by speaking. In the beginning was the word. And then this together separateness, the word was with God, but the word was God. And then you go down to verse 14, and the word became flesh. God became a man. So he was all man, all human, all God, in a way that we can never get or understand. And it's important Mm -hmm. that no human ever, I mean, crazy people have said they were this, but nobody has said it and actually lived that way or acted that way. Nobody. He's not just a teacher. This is an invasion of God into our world where the creator becomes created. This is different. It sticks out like a sore thumb. It's just something completely new. John points this out. Mm-hmm. Um, John loves so much these I am statements because he wants to talk about who Jesus is. I am the light. Yep. I am the bread. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I just love that. And to have... Mm-hmm have the confidence and the almost audacity, there's no word for it, to say these things to to people. I I mean, I like teaching and, you know, I do my best to, to teach the scripture. But Andrew, if I was to say, I am the way and the truth and the life, what would you think? (laughs) <laughs> that you're nuts. Yeah, and you would be right to say that. But Jesus said, yeah. you know, the upper room discourse, and he says this to his disciples, and they're like, yeah. Yep, we're, yep, there are. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. 
And as we sort mm -hmm. of wrap things up here, thinking about Jesus, there's, there's just a few things I want us to keep in mind. Um, first, in John 1 is where we get the idea for our podcast. Because yep. John, after he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and then verse 14, and the Word became flesh, it goes on to say, that this word was full of grace and truth. And grace and truth really to me is not only a description of the character of Christ, but of the gospel of John. If you look at every encounter in the gospel of John, you will see both grace and truth. The woman at the well, tons of grace. Jesus talked to her, he received her, he enjoyed her, he answered her questions. That was gracious and beautiful. But he also told her the truth. The man you're, you're with now is not your husband. <laughs> Grace yeah. and truth all the way through John. And uh, that is what our goal is in our podcast. I also want us to see. And this is, you know, I took the Bible backpacking one time before I was a Christian. And I got to mm -hmm. the Passion Week narratives where they started to be Christ, and I quit reading. I just, I couldn't deal with it. I just, I didn't like that we responded to Jesus this way. Because it was pointing to something too deep in my soul for me to deal with. I didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that was that we are so messed up, so broken that only the death of God can save us. You know, it's not like God came to earth and just taught us. Or he yeah. didn't come to earth and get a slap on the hand. Or he didn't have to go to jail for two weeks. No, 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 no. He had to die. That God had to die to pay for our sins. I mean, that, that's, that's very indicting, and it's very hard yeah. to swallow, but it is truth. It is truth. Yeah. I, to, in order to regain connection to God, my sin had to have a perfect sacrifice, and I'm not perfect. Only God is. And it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And of course, we know that God was satisfied because he raised Christ from the dead. Andrew, we are the Grace and Truth Podcast. Do you have a word of grace? I do. So, John 4, you kind of touched on this story before, but I want to kind of make some points about it. So Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he's telling her about the living water. And she says, um, sir, give me this water so that I'll not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus could easily have just, you know, gave her the water, saved her. But what he did here was actually on the surface, it seems kind of like, ooh, cringeworthy. Because Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. 
And Jesus says, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so what I thought was happening there was Jesus was making her feel shame for this. But what Jesus was doing, um, what it seems that he was doing was giving her grace and saying, like, I know, I know what you're going through. I know what you've done. And at the end, um, he says, um, go on and sin no more. And so what I want to make the application today is, you know, sometimes in order to receive grace, we have to bring God the things we don't want to bring him. And whether that's past hurts, current struggles, things you're so ashamed of, and you deal with that. And then God, God's already going to give you the grace to move on. So, yeah, that's kind of my word of grace is that you might have that one thing that's lingering that you don't want to give to God, but that might be the one place he's poking at to give you grace so you can Excellent. have freedom. Appreciate that word of grace, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, for truth, I think I'd like to go to the cross and talk about the thief on the cross. Um, and I love the thief on the cross because he makes everything so very simple. Um, he looks at Jesus and says, this man's done nothing wrong. The indication there is he's believing that Christ is the son of God. Because Christ's response is that today you will be with me in paradise. You will be saved. You've looked to the Son of God in faith, and you will be saved. We can know that that thief uh, was never baptized. That thief never did any good works. Um, that thief was not considered a good man. He had an awful reputation. And yet simply and completely by his faith, he was saved. Faith alone. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And that is our word of truth for today. So uh, thanks for joining us for the Gospels. Andrew, do you have anything else? Uh, that's all. Just thank you to some of our biggest supporters, um, Jeff, Tim, David, Elsie, April, your uh, sister. We just really appreciate you guys following us, tuning in and uh, sharing via social media. It helps us out a lot. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time.